switching tools is is not for the faint-hearted. It's quite an expensive process, isn't it, in terms of, well, sunk cost, in terms of what you've already put into the amount of time and energy that you've put into learning tools that you've previously used. I also had have still a, a multiple six-figure-a-year business teaching WordPress, teaching very specific tools, WordPress and Elementor, that combination, Elementor Page Builder. This episode of The Matt Report is brought to you by Food Plugins, more specifically, Food Plugins Foo Gallery. You can find it at foo.gallery. There's a new pro commerce plan, and it gives you two-way integration into WooCommerce. So if you want to sell photos, you can sell photos with foo.gallery and WooCommerce. It makes your job super easy, especially if you're a photographer. I just had family photos taken the other day, and I looked at the big conglomerate website that my photographer sent me. I said, man, it would look so much better if you sold it right through WooCommerce, especially if you use something like Foo Gallery. Check out Foo.Gallery and learn more about their pro commerce plan. Check out their WooCommerce integration. They have a great way to watermark and protect your photo galleries. Check them out and thank them for sponsoring the show. It's Foo.Gallery. Go to Foo.Gallery today. Start selling images with Foo Gallery and WooCommerce. As designers or developers, even product makers, when WordPress is your hammer, everything looks like a nail. WordPress is certainly in an inflection point right now. Whereas the software is evolving, read Gutenberg and full site editing, the community of users grapple with what WordPress really is. I feel like that's a statement which has lingered in the air for a few years now. When you unlock its power of custom post types and fields with a dash of REST API magic, the CMS can become a neural network for your data. Yet with an interface that I struggle to drag and drop a single block into a third column of my page layout. Today's guest has mastered the teachings of WordPress, specifically with Elementor for his students over the last few years, but the usability struggle that I just mentioned? Yeah, that's caused him to pivot his teachings to a hosted platform you may have heard of before on the show, Webflow. Welcome today's guest, Dave Foy, as he unpacks the challenges of not only learning a new CMS, but the challenges of devising a curriculum for new students seeking to become proficient in it. You're listening to The Matt Report, a podcast for the resilient digital business builder. If you'd like to support the show, please visit buymeacoffee.com slash Report and buy me a digital coffee. Or join the membership to jump into our private Discord server with others chatting it up about the latest and greatest in our crazy WordPress world. That's buymeacoffee.com slash Report. And thanks to Foo Plugins for supporting today's show. Check out foo.gallery, foo.gallery for more. Okay, here's my interview with Dave. I, I had a lot of resistance a lot of inner resistance to, partly because switching tools is is not for the faint-hearted. It's quite an expensive process, isn't it, in terms of, well, sunk cost, in terms of what you've already put into the amount of time and energy that you've put into learning tools that you've previously used. But, I mean, I also had, have still, but I had at the time, like a, a multiple six-figure-a-year business teaching WordPress teaching very specific tools, WordPress and Elementor, that combination, Elementor page builder. And so it it really was kind of it, it it was it was a real kind of crunch time for me for thinking that I have got to the point where I cannot use these tools anymore. I'm finding that I actually I'm finding that I'll I'll talk about the details in a moment, but I can't in all conscience recommend this particular 
combination of tools that I am well known for and very well paid for, I can't carry on doing it. So believe me, it was quite a, quite a risk. I think I remember one of my students <laughs> saying, so I, think I mentioned it something in, in, the, in the little private Facebook group that I've got for one of my courses, and he just said, career suicide. <laughs> nice. So thanks for, thanks for the vote of confidence. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it, it probably had a point. Yeah. It probably had a point. What Go was on. that, uh, just real quick, what was that concern for you to say, you know what, I don't feel like I can recommend these tools anymore? Was it more uh, an Elementor thing? Was it more a WordPress thing? I mean, we're in this chaotic times where it's like Gutenberg is still trying to get better, full site editing's coming, and then mm. you layer on the complexity of a piece of software that wants you to build a website a certain way. Are yeah. we just hitting a perfect storm here or was there something specific? Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Because I had got to the point where I'd started, well, I'd, I've, I've been using WordPress since 2007, something like that. So for my own personal projects, my own client projects, I'd use WordPress for, 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 for a good long time. It was when I actually decided to teach online, I, long story, I think we've covered this plenty of times before, but for 10 years, I was actually a, a school teacher. I'm a, I am a qualified teacher. So I was a qualified teacher teaching young children in the, in the UK back in the 90s and early 2000s. And uh, I'd, I'd then gone into web design and built up a great business, but I just decided that I just missed teaching so much. So for me, around 2016-ish, I decided I actually want to get back into teaching, but I want to teach the thing that I've been, I've been working with, the web design tools that I've been working with for, for, for many years. What, what a perfect combination. So I'd done a lot of research, long story, but I'd discovered Elementor, which was just in its earliest stages at the time, and thought this combination of tools is brilliant for, for my target market. My target market is always non-coders, people who don't want to code and probably feel a bit nervous about the prospect. They, they, they want to build websites, but web design technology, web design tools, web development isn't something that is natural to them. It's not something that they are completely all fair with and, and understand. So I always see my job as taking people who look at all this stuff and think, oh, wow, this is so complicated and possibly quite scary. It's, it's my job to, to say, it's all fine. Just do this, this, and this, and it all works out. So in a sense, I'd particularly chosen WordPress and Elementor, that particular combination, because it just seemed right for my target market. Now, over the years, Elementor has added on features and features and features. WordPress itself, as you say, is changing dramatically. I think ultimately that will be for the good of WordPress, definitely. I know a lot of people complain about Gutenberg, but I think it is getting there. But it got to the point where I started to think, would I, in, in, in all kind of conscience, I suppose, would I conscious now recommend to somebody who wants fuss-free, hassle-free, stress-free web design experience where basically stuff just works. All of the scary kind of hassle behind the scenes, all the kind of configuration, all the, 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 the stuff that people complain about WordPress, which is actually its strength at the same time, which is its plugin, plugin system, plugin architecture. But I'd got to the point where for my own use of WordPress, but also just being sensitive to the needs of 
my students and the needs of the people who I work with day in, day out to, to, to help with this stuff, I just saw massive frustration, massive, massive frustration with constant plugin updates, constant issues with plugins. It's not new in WordPress at all, obviously, but you know, updating plugins to find that something's broken, there's a conflict with something else, finding websites that now this is I think quite a bit of Elementor's issue because they do they have had a history of releasing some quite buggy releases in in more recent. But you know, finding that a website that worked perfectly well last time they logged in now suddenly doesn't work in in some way. There's some functionality broken, or there's a there's a the layout that's suddenly off. Issues with hosting and all just all manner of different things. So it's kind of like that little drip drip. Drip, the, the Chinese water torture, I think it's called. The, the drip, 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 drip of, 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 of constant issues where I just thought there's, there's got to be a better way. I know that, for instance, like I use Thinkific for my um, online course platform, and it's just all done for me. I can get on with actually creating courses, uploading the courses, and teaching. There are, there are I don't know, email marketing platforms where the, the, the heavy lifting and the stuff that I don't need to know is done in the background so I can get on with my job. And I started to think that there must be something better than this constant stress and worry and, and hassle and maintenance and all of these other things, um, which is what led me to start looking at other possible other solutions. I've seen the the love-hate relationship with Gutenberg, how fast this piece of software has been iterated on, and just all the changes. You couple that with Elementor, which is also on a rocket ship ride. They're growing. They're adding new mm -hmm. features. They've hit a bout of turbulence, I guess, is probably the, <laughs> the <laughs> nicest thing that I could say. I know I've seen uh, you nice. and, and Paul on Twitter really hammering at home with Elementor for good reason. Mm -hmm. And they have to be conscious, I think, of Elementor. They have to be conscious of just not throwing the kitchen sink at everything for the sake of the kitchen sink. Mm -hmm. I feel like folks who are looking for a Webflow solution understand that they should invest some money in a platform that's just going to do it without the fuss, updates, hosting issues, mm -hmm. you know. In, incompatibilities with other plugins. Like I will pay to have that done on Webflow versus the WordPress side of it, where it's like, man, there's so many variables that that can be thrown at this. Were you getting that feedback from your audience? Yeah, it was. It was as I said at the beginning. It was a very, very reluctant look looking for something else for very, very lots of lots of reasons. I didn't want to be looking anywhere else. Yeah, partly it was from it was my and it was partly because of Elementor's buggy releases. So I got on with, for instance, I needed to build a new website for myself late last year, and I installed a, a, a new instance of WordPress. And Elementor's like global colors just didn't work at all, just broken. And so, so there were there were several issues like that just personally for myself. As it was like, oh, <laughs> what what is it now? There was and it's not just. And it's not just Elementor. I think there are there are lots and lots of other other plugins as well. But let's um, you know, I'm probably focusing on Elementor maybe a bit too much. But but yeah, it certainly wasn't a good feeling from my audience and students by by any means. I mean, my my group, my sort of private group, was just every day there was just something of 
Like, why isn't this working? Why is this thing broken now? Or it wasn't just necessarily just WordPress. It was like hosting as well. Or I think because because pl- the, because of the plugin architecture and there are plugins coming down the pipe every single day, as you and I know, constantly with, with new features and potentially solving problems with SEO and page speed and all, everything else. So there, there, there were those issues with stuff just being broken and being hard and people struggling just to keep up with the frantic pace of change. I think that, that was partly the thing. But I think also it was just, I think... Yeah, just, just I, I, I suppose people just, I'm just trying to think of the best way to put it, really. Yeah, just, just gen, general kind of anxiety about about stuff being broken and stuff just not being easy, I think yeah. is, the, is the easiest way to put it, yeah. I want to ask you this question. This is going a little bit deeper in sort of like the creator in the in the creator mindset the the business of being a creator and monetizing on let's say YouTube and affiliate sales it probably wasn't an easy decision to make either because one would imagine knowing what I did with affiliate sales for Elementor which was a flea on an elephant's ass probably compared to what you and maybe others have done. It was probably a a tough business decision too, right? To be like, look, I'm making money. And I think you and Paul and, and the other, you know, folks that I communicate with on, on YouTube, you do affiliates, right? Right. I think of immediately when people think affiliates are like, Oh, what are you trying to sell me? What kind of cloaking device are you using on these, (laughs) on these links? Like at one point in your, Mm. in your career, you were like, Elementor is a fantastic tool at this time and they have an affiliate program. Why not recommend this and make money? It's a legit way when you're doing it a legit way. I don't have any other better way of saying that. So at probably at some point you were like, ah, man, like I will be turning off this faucet potentially of money. What was that like? And did you have, do you have any thoughts or feelings around affiliate sales and how this helps make the decision for you? Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, affiliates, the affiliate business model was never, ever my intention when I first started. My thing was, I'm going to sell courses. And affiliate sales were, have always just been a, a bit of a nice to have. When I first started my YouTube channel, started making videos about this fairly brand new tool called Elementor at the time, I happened to mention my affiliate link. I think I just dropped it in the description sometimes. I would occasionally, when Elementor had an offer, I would let my email list know, which was growing my... My business model was growing my email list to sell courses in a nutshell. That's it. And it still is really. Grow the email list to sell courses. But thank goodness that I was an affiliate for Elementor in those early days because in the first kind of nine months of me getting to the point where I even had the confidence to make a course and to feel like I could sell it at all. We're going back to 2017 now, uh, which seems so long ago. It's only a few years, but yeah, the, 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 the affiliate income from, I, I was an affiliate for very, very few products, Elementor, Generate Press, I don't know, maybe a hosting platform as well. Well, the income from that was better than I'd been making working full-time as a web designer. And it absolutely saved my ass because if I hadn't have had that income, I think the whole online course thing probably would have failed. Now, I say that because I took way too long to actually make a product and offer it to my offer it to my audience and to, to my email list. So these days when I mentor and help people uh, create products and and make online courses, one of my first things is to say is to build build a 
as, as as small an email list as you can get away with. Find a hundred people and sell something. Make something to sell. It can be very low value, not low value, low low price. It doesn't matter. But start making something and start selling something straight away because it's only then that you can start getting true feedback about what people actually want, what they're prepared to pay for, and where you should put your energies. But yeah, the affiliate thing was was massive. But my the, the income I was saying about I'm not I'm, I'm not saying it to brag, but is a multiple six figures a year business is mostly from courses. It's mostly from selling courses. I'd say ninety percent is from selling courses about WordPress and Elementor specifically about using those tools. And yeah, to say that it's a career suicide. <laughs> There's the phrase, career suicide. Um, and you were you were lucky enough to get to a point. Uh, did you turn ads on on your YouTube channel? No, no, no. Never did. Never, never had. No, no, no. Just because you didn't want the experience or like the, the user to have that experience of ads or yeah. you were never looking at it as a third I think, channel? I think what I wanted to do was just to make sure that the, foolishly probably, this is, this is not a, a savvy business head talking, but I think I just wanted just to make sure that when people watch my videos, they were just not being inter- interrupted by ads and they could just actually enjoy the experience of, 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 of watching the videos. And I suspected that probably the income from that wasn't particularly going to be too great anyway. So I just always kept monetization off for that reason, really. My YouTube story is like, how do I get into this game? How do I create this content? And I quickly, well, I don't say quickly, it took me six months to burn out doing like three videos a week or maybe three or four videos a week. I had this ambitious goal of doing it like every day and I just flatlined, burned out. I didn't literally didn't touch it for a year and then all of a sudden AdSense sent me the the first check for a hundred bucks, right? Then I logged in and it was, I had tripled my audience without uploading a video in a year just because of SEO. The light bulb went off like, you fool, you shouldn't have given up. Uh, You should have done it less so you didn't burn yourself out, but you shouldn't have given up. And again, like life gets in the way. YouTube stuff is so far away from my daily routine that I, I haven't uploaded episodes then, but I still am making three or 400 bucks a month in ads. And I have a lot of kids, so diapers are expensive. <laughs> so yeah, I yeah. leave the ads on. Absolutely. But I, I, I can certainly, I could certainly see in your world where these bigger products, bigger prices, the brand, the value there is a, a target for you to focus on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I was wanted. I, just, I think I wanted that um, sense of kind of trustworthiness. Yeah, just that experience, really. I was not to say that people with ads, I watch, oh, I've got YouTube premium now, so I don't see any ads, but seeing ads on people's videos, I actually don't, tie, I don't personally tie that into a decision that's made by the creator of the video at all. It doesn't, I, mean, I, I understand how it works as well, but I don't ever think, oh, they've, they've got ads turned on. They obviously don't care about my experience as a viewer. It doesn't right. enter my head. So, S- Side note, I also signed up recently for premium. Like, like it was finally one of those things where, uh, you know, before you sign up for premium, every time you logged into YouTube, they'd be like, do premium, do premium, do premium. Mm-hmm. And I'm always like, close, close, close. And I tell you, Dave, I, I, I'm like, screw it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, finally, you got me YouTube. Literally a thousand pop-ups later, is probably what my conversion metrics were. <laughs> you finally got me and I signed up and I watched my first video with no ads. And I was like, wow. Yeah. 
Welcome like, to the other side. My brain, because my brain was trained so much now with like their three pre-roll ads and then the the, the pop-up in the middle, the banner, and then like the mid-roll. And when I'm doing work for Castos, sometimes I'm in the Castos account and I'm uploading my videos for Castos and I'll be watching something and I'll be like, what is this ad? <laughs> like my brain yeah. is like, I, what is this? <laughs> what, yeah. What's yeah. happening? And like, oh yeah, I'm not in my premium account. It's, it's awesome. I think it's worth every single penny. It, it is. It's, it is. Yeah. It is. Definitely. It's like when I go on vacation with my children and recently you know, we were in Florida and they're watching TV, cable TV. And there's commercials. And my kids are literally asking me, what, dad, what is this? Why, yeah. why isn't the show playing? Because they're so used to Netflix and Disney Plus. Yeah. And they see a commercial and they are freaking out. They're like, <laughs> what, what is a show? Where's the show? And I'm like, it's just a, com- it's this thing called commercial kids that you didn't grow up with. Welcome to my world. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. As we get into the back half uh, of this conversation, Webflow did did you you said like I want to find a platform that is easy, all encompassing? Was Webflow always in the back of your mind, or did you start doing some homework and then you settled on Webflow? Yeah, well, I'd I'd actually been recommended Webflow several times over at least two years, probably more. And every time somebody said to me, "You've dude, you've got to check Webflow out," and these were people that I trusted and respected, friends of mine, colleagues, people all over the place, and people who had never looked back. They would just adopted it for their agency as their go-to tool. And they moved from WordPress as well. And every single time somebody recommended it, I said, well, yeah, I've, I've heard of that. I'll, I'll check it out. And then I would immediately toss the idea in the bin and think there is literally no way I am looking at any other tools because I've got a lot of, t- oh, yeah, as we've said, a lot invested in in WordPress and everything. So, um, yeah, so so actually choosing Webflow, I, I had a little look around to see anything else, I obviously don't, didn't bother looking at the Squarespaces and the Wixes and things like that. But yeah, Webflow was pretty much the, the pretty much the only one that I considered. Now, I actually tried it and gave up three times, <laughs> like completely. Just thought, right, come on, come on, you can do this. I mean, how hard can it be? And gave up three times because it's not actually, it's not actually, it's not a beginner's platform. You know, it's not designed for people who that, that Squarespace is designed for. You, you don't get a load of pre, pre-made designs. And in fact, it's harder to use than, I would say, a WordPress page builder. Probably not Oxygen, because Oxygen is based very, very, very much on Webflow, as I understand. But yeah, it was, it was hard. And what I also found as well is that I, well, partly, be, so, so so what would happen is I'd give it a try and think, oh, no, 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 no. I've, I just haven't got time. I'll persevere with with what I'm using. And it was the third time that was like the straw that broke the camel's back. I've got to figure this out. And it, it, in some ways, it, it really appealed to me because uh, when you, st- uh, well, I won't go into the details too much, but when you style anything in Webflow, you literally click on it. A podcast doesn't make this a very good <laughs> visual medium for me to explain this, but when you, when you click on anything in Webflow and you want to style it, it could be literally any element whatsoever. You give it a name, like a, a class. Uh, you give that class whatever styles you like. You've got all the styles at your disposal, really easy, nice UI. And then you just use that class on anything else that you want to give that, that that's those, those same styles. So... The sense of having literally un- like unlimited global styling, not having to go to some 
separate styling panel somewhere to constantly kind of keep going back and sort of adjusting things. And also not being at the, I, I, I suppose, just the, the page, the, whatever the page builder developer has decided the global styles are that you're going to have um, is what you're stuck with. You're limited by that usually. With Webflow, you can just do what you like. Now, as a as an actually as like a dinosaur, old school HTML and CSS hand coder back in the day, this really appealed to me because I used to write CSS and I'd have one single CSS file, which I could just create as many styles as I liked and I could control them all from one place. So it was that particularly about Webflow that just super appealed to me. The lack of the lack of limits, really. I'm not being I'm not being I'm not being hampered by I mean, it's great, for instance, Elementor, just as an example, it's got a whole load of widgets and there are probably a million different third-party add-ons as well. It will all bring a load more widgets as well. And it is amazing. You can drag a widget on the screen, it just onto the canvas, it just produces your tabs or your, your post layout or whatever it is. But you're still fairly limited by the styling options that that developer has decided to give you. Whereas with Webflow, it's just completely open-ended. But the problem, the problem, it's like everything in life, you've got constant trade-offs. The problem with that beautiful open-endedness is that you can make a real mess. If, if, if you're not careful, if you've not kind of got a system and a workflow and a, and a, a way that you decide that you're going to name classes and use them and reuse them, it can be a bit of a mess. And that's the issue that I hit immediately. The Webflow, there's Webflow University, which is Webflow's own uh, free training is absolutely brilliant. I mean, as an as an educator myself, as a teacher myself, I mean, I I just think those that their videos are astounding. They're incredible, and I think it speaks volumes about a company like that who have invested so much time and energy into training their users. So that stuff was helpful, um, and it kind of got me. Got definitely got me so far, but I was, I think because my teaching in WordPress and Elementor was all about, you've got all these tools, you've got all the colors in the, all the crayons in the box, but you need a system, you need a workflow, you need, you need, you need to set yourself limits so that you, know, you can produce sites really quickly, really productively, profitably, and not have to think too much. You've got a system and you just do it and you just build them. So I... That was that was the that was the sticking point with Webflow, and it's what I ended up actually building a framework myself. I thought there isn't anything really. There are Webflow frameworks out there, but they all had issues for me, so I ended yeah. up building my own. I've tried Webflow before, and me, it's much more of like shiny object syndrome, and a little bit of like this whole like no code uh, movement where it's like. I don't know. Sometimes I've thought I've sat back and be like, man, if I could just have like a database that I use, like connected with Zapier and I could like automate these things. I see all these other people do it like in two seconds on the back of a napkin. And I'm like, I want to do that too. And then like I jump into like Webflow and I'm like, oh God, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm just, I'm just, I'm going away from this. This yeah. leads, and what I'm getting out of here is like you, you tried it three times, whatever failed, and you're like, ah, if somebody could just teach it my way, you built it, right? You built the course to like get people over that hump, quite literally coming from WordPress to Webflow, the name of your course. Is there a particular 
like a WordPress user or WordPress stack that somebody might be using who's like the perfect fit to for your course, number one, but for Webflow, like certainly somebody who's like, I'm just a simple lowly WordPress blogger is probably not going to need your course, is probably not going to need Webflow. But is there a certain a certain avatar that is a perfect fit for your course, but for also to, to, to reap the benefits of Webflow? I would say that people who, I mean, if somebody is a WordPress developer, right? So we'll, we'll, we'll discount those people immediately. People are building their own themes and things like that then. Absolutely, definitely not. I'm sure that WordPress gives you all of the all of the control and the power and everything that you need. So, I would say it would be more people who <clears throat> are trying to build are trying to build full, fully functional websites using WordPress and a page builder. I would say the people who definitely need a page builder of some kind. Now, I mean, Gutenberg is a page builder and it's developing fast as well. So, I would say people who are using those tools particularly you. As I said, it, in a sense, Webflow is a bit more complicated. So it's it's not just a case. It is in some ways, but there isn't the the pre-built here is everything done for you aspect of quite a lot of the stuff that comes with a page builder. So there are certain things that you need to understand in the background. You need to understand what's going on. You need to understand a little bit of HTML and CSS as well. So just an, a, an understanding of just like how HTML interacts with CSS just on a b- very basic level to understand things like inheritance. So when you set a style on the body, for instance, that is going to trickle down to everything underneath it, all the content and everything underneath it, unless you override it. So there are, there are concepts like that that in a page builder, those people probably don't really even need to ever think about particularly. You can just you can just bodge something together quite quite easily. I would say though that I, I I do know of quite a lot of of front end developers, I suppose back end developers as well, who really enjoy using Webflow because it allows them to effectively write HTML and CSS without having to actually write HTML and CSS because it's like a graphical user interface for for that. But for me I am more than happy to to recommend Webflow to my audience, which are, as I said, non-coders. They need a page builder, and they're a little bit nervous about all the multitude of different tools and 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 things that they need to know. I'm curious. I mean, I know that as of the as of this time, which is September seventeenth mm. at eleven thirty a.m. Eastern Standard Time in New England, which is. You know, where we we won't get into the whole I'm in, US I'm, in the old, I'm in the old one. Hello. You're in the old one. You're in the original <laughs> one. The, I know the course is not for sale yet. I'm curious, and I've seen it. I think I've gone through the first two modules. And, and then for the listener out there, like when Dave says he takes time, it, like, it took me so long to do this. Yeah, but the quality in, is just mind-blowing. And I can't even imagine... Dave, how much time you've spent on it? I don't, I don't know if you have a number of hours counted, or if you even want to admit how long you've been into it. I know it's not for sale yet. Do you, as of this recording, but maybe when we launch this recording, do you anticipate the some turbulence there? Right. So people in WordPress, they're very much used to free or low cost. Webflow is paid. Mm. They're paying for your course. What are your thoughts? What's the gut tell you on promoting this as a business owner? The first thing I would say is that when I started thinking about building a, a business, making online courses at all, my first thought was, who on earth is going to pay 
any money for for learning any of this stuff. I mean, there's there's this thing called YouTube. I don't know if you've heard of it, but you know, it's just full of all the free advice and tutorials and walkthroughs you could you could ever hope for. I purposefully actually I, I got over that mindset issue quite quickly. It's it's nonsense, but people are prepared to pay, and they're prepared to pay good money as well for an investment in their career and their time and their you know stress levels and everything else. So in terms of me worrying too much about people paying for a course or even paying for a platform doesn't really worry me too much because the people who buy my courses are people, they, they are, I always think that out of my email list, probably, I don't know what the numbers are, 5% will buy something that I, I make. And those people are prepared to pay, I don't know how much my courses have been, I think, I think I think the highest price No Stress WordPress was, which is discontinued now, not in, you know fairly indefinitely. I think that was about eight hundred bucks for that. So between sort of four, five, six, seven, eight hundred bucks for a course, uh, those people are absolutely. I mean, the Webflow course isn't that at all. I think it's starting at two nines. So that's 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 a bit lower just to just to get started with at the moment. But I'm 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 fairly convinced and I'm delighted to appeal to people who are willing to invest in their education, their professional development, and the tools that they use as well for an easier life and to actually ultimately get a return on their investment in terms of faster builds and not having to worry with about updating plugins and maintenance and stuff breaking and having to fix things and all that sort of thing. So it, it doesn't it doesn't really worry me at all. Yeah. I mean, when you have somebody who's already, I, I did an article, I, again, if I was a professional podcaster, I would have this up. I think Elementor, Webflow, let's just see if my site ranks first. It doesn't. Oh. <laughs> it doesn't. Harsh. Let's see, Elementor, Web. Oh Harsh. yeah, it does. I'm on the first page. Okay. A little, a little bit down on the first page if you Google Elementor Webflow, but I say in defense of Elementor versus Webflow. And this, I published this February, oh, this year. God, man, you, you just, I don't even understand time anymore. February 11th, 2021, when folks were talking about the price hike of Elementor. Now, mm. I'm not here to argue whether or not the, the approach of what Elementor was doing with the bugs and features and whatnot is fair or not. I didn't have anything against the price hike, if you will, for Elementor, because, mm-hmm. man, I feel like so many people are making money with Elementor that even if you bought their $1,000 a year for a 1,000 websites, I mean, if you're somebody who's producing a 1,000 websites, you're at least charging $2 <laughs> for one of those websites, right? You're selling these websites for at least $2. Absolutely. You've doubled your money, right? Yeah. So, I was never against the raising of the price because hopefully that raises value of all things WordPress. But my point here is people are already spending money in the Webflow world, Mm -hmm. whereas hats off and kudos to you, you're selling courses in a WordPress world where a majority of people are used to free. Mm -hmm. So you already were fighting a a, a battle that I've not been able to solve ever. Yeah, there is, there there is, I mean, there is a sense, isn't there? Because WordPress is open source, everything should be free. And you, you hear that all the time. And I think that's just going to be a constant issue, really. One thing that when I actually looked at, certainly for certainly for the people that I'm aiming my course at and the people that I kind of want to help, when you actually look at the price of Webflow, because people say, God, man, Webflow is so expensive. I think, well, if you look at it, you pay an account. I won't go into like all the massive details, but you pay an account plan fee, which is basically a single monthly fee. I think it's about 24 bucks a month, which allows you to build 
like all uh, to build and stage on a on a webflow.io subdomain all your webflow sites you've got in development and you can share those with clients and you could even just make those live on the on the staging subdomain if you didn't want to point a live domain at them so that 24 bucks a month is is basically similar to if you've got like an adobe creative cloud um <laughs> subscription or you've got an elementor license and a, and a theme license and it just allows you to use the platform so that to me is is like well that seems perfectly fair, and then you pay a per site site plan fee as well, which I think is about twenty bucks a month. Now, people who are hosting cramming websites onto like a, a ten bucks a month hosting plan, and they're quite happy with all the configuration and the setup and everything that that entails, and possible performance issues and whatever, then absolutely, I mean, knock yourself out. Brilliant. But if you compare to, I mean, let's just take a WordPress managed host like Kinsta, for instance. I think Kinsta, last time I looked, was 20 bucks a month. Now, so so for each live site you've got a domain pointed to, to Webflow, you're paying 20 bucks a month for that site. I mean, again, if you're not making at least $20 a month back from the website, then there's something wrong. You, you, you really should be. Uh, but also with that, you also get like the CDN, you get all of the page speed stuff set up for you and it's all done for you. The, the sites are blazing fast, absolutely brilliant. All, all green, like top of the range kind of page speed scores, the hosting sorted out for you, the security stuff sorted out for you, all of the functionality. Seems to me in many ways, if you were a person who would appreciate managed hosting, and it seems to me that that is actually a pretty good deal overall. I tend to agree. Things get a little crazy when you start getting into the e-commerce world with yeah. Webflow, the way that they do pricing. I broke it all down in this in this post, although this post is now a few months yeah. old. And I'll link that up. I'll try to link that up in the in the show notes. But at the, end, yeah. Yeah, at the end of the day, like the, the trade-off again is support all-in-one platform. If you really wrestle with... I want to own everything for the sake of owning it and it's all mine. It's hard to make that mental leap and appreciation leap. I don't have a better word right now, but yeah, like it's hard yeah. to make that leap from WordPress if you're really stuck in that in that realm. Yeah. Right? I, I, really absolutely. Tough. And I would I would say to to anybody that it's not like I I certainly don't say to everybody you must use Webflow. It is far better than WordPress. That's actually not what I'm saying. It probably comes across that way. There are trade-offs with everything. And if ownership, or certainly a feeling of ownership anyway, and having control over every single aspect of that of your website and website workflow and everything else, if that is important to you for whatever reason, that's great. But there's a trade-off in the maintenance and the plugin updates and the, and the stuff breaking and everything else. That's the that's 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 the deal. You, we, you can't have your cake and eat it kind of thing. I think it's just true of everything in life. Same with yeah. Webflow. Yeah, you don't have all of those hassles, but yeah, you've got a platform where you are in a way renting the site from from Webflow. What if Webflow disappears overnight? There are all these concerns. I mean, I've got I've got kind of answers for all these objections, but there are also th just very very quickly one of the biggest objections is is which is quite funny to me is about recurring income from care plans. So people will say, I've got a pretty good business making recurring easy money every month by charging clients to keep the website updated, the WordPress website updated, and make sure it doesn't it doesn't break for them. 
what am I going to do about that with Webflow because it just works? What's the, what, 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 where am I going to make this money? My short answer is always, well, first, if all things were equal and you could build a website in WordPress or Webflow, and let's also say that either of them would be appropriate for the project, really <laughs> recommend WordPress because it's prone to problems. It's prone to problems and it, and it breaks and you can charge the client forever in order just to basically let, you know, let them have a working website. It sounds a bit harsh. It sounds like I'm kind of over-egging things, but that's kind of how it is really. Now, yeah. my view is the client, your clients don't care about how you did something or the, how long it took you or the steps you took. They, on, they only care about the result. And all that clients are paying you for, for a, for a care plan, just in terms of the maintenance side of it, not talking about anything else, but the maintenance side of it, they are paying you so that their website is rock solid, isn't down, works perfectly, and it just doesn't have any issues. Well, why can't you charge the client for that? You've found a better or the best platform that you think for their particular needs, for their project, that has all that in place. You've spent all this time and money learning the platform. Why not charge clients for that? I, I, I don't think clients particularly care that you've got to update plugins and you've got to spend X amount of time doing that. I think it's a bit of a non-argument, really. I, I think at some of the tiers uh, on Webflow, there's a literal phone number you can call, right? So good Yo, luck yeah, yeah. Ca yeah, <laughs> calling. Yeah, calling. you got a dozen plugins doing a bunch of things. You're not going to call Pippin and, and WooCommerce. You're not going to call these people and get them on a conference call to figure out what your site is. At the end of the day, look, you're paying for that support. And Webflow Webflow, as far as I know in the news, Webflow is slated to be a IPO and, and be a publicly traded company here in the States. Mm -hmm. um, they're a private company now, but they've raised over $140 million, so they're probably valued at billions. <laughs> I don't even know what money is these days. But probably. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah MailChimp is worth, what was it, $12 billion? $12 billion, like half, the, half the banana industry of the entire globe. So, so, uh, so what is money? Yeah, what is money? <laughs> uh, you know, Canva just raised, Canva just got another four. 100 million valued at 40 billion canva.com it's just well, well I, I don't know dave what are we doing wrong here uh, right well i'm i think i'm gonna hang, hang these headphones up yeah i'm gonna make a canva course what am i doing with webflow here's how to make a template in canva oh man uh it's called oh, wordpress to webflow his name is dave dave foy you can search for dave foy you can go to davefoy.com you can search him on youtube you can go to wp2wf.com WordPress to Webflow. Dave, anything else at uh, any other place that people should find you online? No, that's, you've covered absolutely everything there, my friend. Yeah, brilliant. Thank Fant you very much. Fantastic stuff. It's Mariport, Mariport.com, Mariport.com slash subscribe. Hey, if you want to support the content happening here at the Matt Report, go to buymeacoffee.com slash Matt Report. You can join the membership there and be part of the, the news. Right now, it's about the, the WP Minute. If you want to be involved in the news, you want to have your hand in shaping our weekly WordPress news, the five-minute dose of WordPress news every week at WPMinute.com. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash MattReport, buymeacoffee.com slash MattReport. Support the show. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. If you like what you heard today, don't forget to thank our premier sponsor, Food Gallery. Check them out at food.gallery. Check out their new WooCommerce integration for selling photos with Foo Gallery. If you want to support the show and you want to support WordPress news every week, go to buymeacoffee.com slash mattreport, buymeacoffee.com slash mattreport. Join the membership. Join our Discord. Take part 
in the conversation around WordPress news. Buymeacoffee.com slash Matt Report. Thanks to Food Gallery for supporting the show.